What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What's up all, Aaron, but not that Aaron here to tell you about Sifpop Writer's Room. For the past several years, there have been a growing amount of writers for Sifpop.com providing best ever challenges, movie reviews, themes, legacies, connections, and so much more. Sifpop Writer's Room is where that all comes together, giving a voice to those words that you read. And on the show, every week is excellent, getting to chat such a wide variety of movies to the wide variety of movie lovers, and I'm really having a lot of fun with the show, and I just think that you would too. So check out Sifpop Writer's Room wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you over there. Just remember to knock first. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Welcome to episode 343 of the Sports Jack podcast. Corey, this was the biggest test we've had so far in finding somebody to dedicate this episode to. Uh oh. I have looked and looked on list after list. And this episode will be dedicated to Mac McCarthy. Mac McCarthy won 343 games as a college basketball coach at places like Chattanooga, Western Carolina, and East Carolina. He is as nondescript as anybody we have ever dedicated a show to. But I have looked on list. The number 343 just does not show up right now in terms of different things. So... Mac McCarthy, you be grateful because this episode of The Yak is dedicated to you. Can I tell you, when I hit the record button, there is a small part somewhere deep down inside of me that hopes that one day you will have a stat from a professional wrestler and that wrestler's name will be mentioned. Oh. I have no idea how high of a number, you know, like a 344, you know, matches... Now the thing is, I'm going to have to see if I can find a list anywhere that actually there has to be some goober somewhere. Yeah, like a wrestling that stat keeps list. track of <laughs> wins, even though we all know they're premeditated. Well, TV appearance I do. wins. Um, <laughs> premeditated. 
Oh, shoot. Where would you like to begin, Chuck Freebie? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to give you the little list there. That's all right. Uh, let's start with the Olympics. As they closed up uh, yesterday in Tokyo, and what a weekend for Michiana athletes. First of all, if you go back 40 years or so, girls' sports were almost, I won't say non-existent, but certainly not on the radar around here. Right. And even as I started my career at WNDU, they were just starting to really get notice. Well, that's not the case anymore around here, my friend. And we have four Olympic medals coming back to this area from women following the Tokyo Games. Now, we already knew about Hannah Roberts, the young BMX cyclist from Buchanan who won silver. In a span of, well, basically 24 hours, Sarah Hildebrandt from Penn High School won bronze in wrestling at the Olympics. And then two gold medalists, almost back-to-back, Skylar Diggins in women's basketball and Annie Drews in women's volleyball. And what a medal hall for this area to be able to have our young people see that, to have our young people see that people who grow up here, who do things here in the community, are able to go on to this kind of success. I, I think it will be tremendously motivating for our young people, and I hope that they're able to pursue their dreams as well. But I just found it terrific that these four young ladies were able to represent the area so well. And you have to remember, prior to this, Corey, Michiana had really only had two medalists in the Olympics. Dan Harrigan was a swimmer from Adams in 1976. He won a bronze. And then Lindsey Benko won a gold medal, uh, a couple of gold medals in the Olympics. For swimming? For swimming. Okay. And she was an Elkhart Central alum. And that was it. I mean, we'd had people go to the Olympics. Uh, Leroy Dixon from LaSalle. Uh, the table tennis player, his name escapes me right now. I believe it's Mark Hazinger. Um, we'd had people go to the Olympics, but we hadn't had people have this kind of success. I would say on my time on this planet, this was my most least watched Olympics. Whether it be scheduling conflict, the difference in times, I just couldn't get in front of a TV at the right time. You weren't alone. NBC's ratings, I think, were as low as an Olympics has been in a while. Hmm. I think I think there's a number of factors at play in that. I think uh, the political atmosphere in this country turns some people against athletes and they don't want to watch. I'm not saying that's the case for you, but some people overall. I think the fact that there are just so many sports right now and you never knew what was going to be on where. It was difficult to find what you were interested in mm -hmm. or to get the overall picture. If you were relying on that NBC broadcast on the actual NBC television network to give you the overview of what was going on in the Olympics, I don't think they did a really good job with that. 
Well, when I, we were younger, that's how it worked. But now there's so many different outlets. Right. Over here on USA is this, on TBS is this, and DNT and, and this and that. And, and everything is shown, you know, everything is shown through its own stream, but you have to be able to find it. Yeah. And I, it's a difficult thing to produce. I, I would not want to necessarily be the executive producer of the Olympics and try to figure out, okay, how are we going to balance this all out? Right. And how are we going to, to move things around to tell the best stories? I also thought, and, and this has always been part of the Olympics, but maybe because we are in such a 24-7 media world these days, I thought some of the storylines just got hammered to death. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't know by the end that Allison Felix was the top Olympic medal winner in track and field and had had a child, if you didn't know by the end uh, of her race that Molly Seidel from Notre Dame in fourth grade wrote that she wanted to win, I mean, this was hammered and hammered and hammered into you. And at some point, it's enough already. Yeah. I, and I think it turns people off. I did learn that I did not know golf is a sport, uh, uh, Olympic event. I saw some golf over the weekend. Women's golf. Women's golf. Had and, no idea. And the U.S. won in that. And the U.S. won more gold medals than any other country. Won more medals than any other country. But yeah, there's some sports there that I just... Honestly, baseball, and I'm not saying it because Japan beat the United States. I just wonder if baseball is really an Olympic event. I mean, how many countries really play baseball? Mm-hmm. Japan, the U.S., South Korea, Australia, and that's kind of about it. I mean, Israel had a team. Italy had a team, but I, I think... They, also, the makeup of the team, the 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 retired guys and the out of high school. Yeah, it's and not, not it, it's not like it's even your best players. Yeah. Like, you know, basketball, the opportunity is there if the best players in the world want to play. Yeah, they can play in men's and women's basketball. It's not the case in baseball. No, so it's just. I, and let's face it, the, the Olympics is fraught with corruption in terms of uh, everything from how a host city gets the games to uh, the people that make money off the games to the athletes who may or may not do illegal substances to gain an advantage. It's just, in a lot of ways, it's a difficult watch. That does not take away from the accomplishments of the young ladies that we profiled earlier. But I think it does play to your point of why more and more people just decide to tune out. Yeah. I'd rather just watch a quick little half hour update on what happened than sit all night and, all right, we're going right. to gather around the TV for, man, do you remember when women's gymnastics was like the entire planet was watching? Well, and that was their hope. And NBC got a really tough break when all that stuff happened with Simone Biles. Mm-hmm. Because while there was still interest, who's going to win? They had pumped that storyline so hard. Yeah. And, and again, it, judging by the reaction on social media, and I think social media plays a role in why the ratings are down, too. 
So you've got an event like Tokyo, which is on a 13-hour time difference. NBC is using its prime time like they're back in 1972. Like, oh, nobody can find out the results of these things, and we're going to show them. Well, we knew the results of the gymnastics by the time we went on the air at 6.50 in the morning right. for the morning sportscast. And then you're not showing them for another 13 hours. That's that's rough. Well, let's segue into uh, football. Wow. There is so much going on with football right now. Let's start in the college ranks. Notre Dame opened fall camp on Saturday. Brian Kelly... I guess the most surprising thing that he said in his opening press conference, at least to me, was that he's going to go ahead and announce the starting quarterback probably by the end of this week. And he's always been one to kind of play that coy a little bit. But I think at this point, look, everybody knows it's going to be Jack Cohn. There's no sense in being coy about this and dragging it on. Jack Cohn is the grad student transfer from the University of Wisconsin who's here for one year. And the main reason they brought him in is to provide a bridge between Ian Book and Tyler Buckner. And they can talk all they want about Buckner and Drew Pine competing for the job. That's a farce. That's a farce. And at least Brian didn't put us through that farce. He basically came out and said, yeah, we're going to probably announce it by the end of the week. We just want to see some things one more time. But I think they know enough about Jack Cohn, and they've seen enough about how he developed in the spring. I will be stunned if the starting quarterback for the University of Notre Dame against Florida State on September 5th is not Jack Cohn. Because I don't think you want to start a freshman in his first game ever at the University of Notre Dame on national TV, on the road, against a Florida State team that has so many transfers, you really don't know for sure what they're going to do. If you're a t-shirt maker, I'd like to give you this idea for free. Coneheads. Fans of Jack are coneheads. Sure. Or maybe Jack in the Box. And then when it pops out, it's him in his uniform. That's for you and that's free. Well, that could be used for him for his NIL, <laughs> right? That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, so these there days, you, go, Jack. you can funnel all those ideas to Jack, <laughs> and he, he can take care of that himself. I'm going to tweet him. Also for Notre Dame, big news yesterday, they got a four-star receiving recruit, the second of the recruiting class. This is for, I believe, 2022. His name is C.J. Williams. And the addition of C.J. Williams, I think, signifies uh, some different things for Notre Dame. Number one, they have obviously looked at their receiver situation. Yes, this is a school that has churned out guys like Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin and guys that are playing in the NFL. But they haven't had that big-time receiving threat that can just go deep down the field. When was the last time that happened? Oh, boy. If you had to put a name to it. Um, well, Michael Floyd was that kind of player. Okay. Um, oh, Will Fuller. Will Fuller was that kind of receiver where, hey, you just go deep. We'll throw it out to you, and you can burn a defense. And, and Will Fuller did that a lot during his college career. He has been beset by injuries in his NFL career. But uh, I think of those kind of receivers. 
They haven't had anybody like that in a while. They're hoping that these two receivers that they brought in, I mean, C.J. Williams, the guys that were after him, Alabama, Texas, and USC. So you're not taking somebody that was being looked at by Yale, Dartmouth, and Penn. Now, Marcus Freeman is the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame, but he has really kind of taken recruiting by the horns. And he kind of shook things up a little bit. He said, you keep looking for kids that fit Notre Dame. And I understand why, but if you want to win a national championship, you might have to think outside your box a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see as these recruits come in here who aren't necessarily something that has fit the mold before of what Brian Kelly has looked for, if there will be problems. Because that has happened in the past. What kind of problems, Chuck? Well, I look at it this way. There really hasn't been... There have been some mild arrests and incidents over the last five years for Notre Dame football. But there really hasn't been a big-name player that has run in run afoul of the law okay we have not had the michael floyd incidents with the dui we haven't had the carlo calabrese um incidents with the police we haven't had those kinds of things that have happened and kelly has kind of rebuilt the program around what what you would call high character kits i'm not knocking the character of any of these recruits i don't know them I just know that the kind of problems he's had in the past with guys that may not necessarily fit his mold. Now, Brian Kelly will also tell you, and I'll, I'll get to this a little bit later with Edgerrin James, you have to be really careful about judging 18-year-old kids right out of high school right. and, and sticking labels on them. You made a tweet about labels this morning. Mm-hmm. And we tend to do that with people. We tend to make immediate judgments on people, and we don't necessarily... If we, if we don't know what the label is and it's being presented to us, it's like, oh, that must be... That must be true. That must be true. Yeah. And instead of, especially with teenagers going into their 20s, letting them grow and develop and... Now, yeah, occasionally you're going to misfire on a kid. Um, and I think there has to be an understanding of that. I don't think fans necessarily always understand that, or fans are willing to look the other way on that if that kid helps them win football games. Yeah, which, or here's hoping that their surroundings and atmosphere and community and brotherhood of Notre Dame will bring the best out of them. That's always the hope, right? Well, that, absolutely. I mean, college should be a place for growth. It shouldn't be a it shouldn't be a place to be pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes we already make that mistake on kids coming out of high school and we say, well, they must be this. And it doesn't allow them a chance to grow and develop as young men or women. A warning from Chuck Freebie. And I bring this up in light of the speeches that were made at the Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony in Canton, Ohio over the weekend. And particularly one by Edron James. Uh, Edron James, running back for the Indianapolis Colts, came out of the University of Miami, grew up the son of a single mother in South Florida, 
Uh, Edrin had the dreadlocks, the gold grill on his teeth, and he he was very honest about this in his speech. He says from the first time he left his hometown of Immokalee, Florida, people looked at him, they saw those gold teeth, they saw the dreadlocks, and they judged him. And they saw a criminal. They saw a somebody that they thought should be locked up in prison. Instead, they didn't see um, a guy that aimed high, uh, created the life that he wanted to live, uh, wound up being the father of a lawyer and a plastic surgeon <laughs> and four other kids. And so he, he really made the point during his speech. He said, proudly represent the real you. Follow your dreams. Aim high. Create the life you want to live. To all of those who have been judged prematurely because of their appearance, the way they speak, or where they come from, and in the minds of many should be locked up in prison, I represent us. And that, he earned two standing ovations during his speech, and that was one of them. Um, he just, he talked about his kids and how much they mean to him and how he's tried to be a good father. And... It was just, it was a reminder to us that we too often do judge a book by its cover. And we have these preconceived notions of what our heroes should look like. And they don't always look the way we want them to look or maybe always act the way we want them to act. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean they're bad people. Peyton Manning's speech, it was vintage Peyton Manning. He cracked jokes. But he also had a great appreciation for his family, what they meant to him, his dad growing up, his mom, who he said, you know, could beat him up and patch him up within seconds. And uh, he says, never known another mom that could break down a cover two defense like her. (laughs) Uh, Talked about his brothers, talked about his kids and his wife. But he also talked about all the great things that football had done for him and how it's important to pass that along to the future. His his speech really was less about him and his accomplishments than it was the responsibility of the players today and the players of his era to pass the game along to the future and to be... I love that. Uh, for lack of a better term, guardians of the game uh, and and passing that along to future generations. So I, I thought they were two very powerful speeches, two very different speeches, but then again, Edgerin James and Peyton Manning, even though they were teammates, two very different guys. Mm-hmm. And I thought that came through. Mm-hmm. My son was sitting next to me at dinner last night and they were getting ready for the event, and Tom Brady walks in, and they show the tweet of, I got to make sure this guy's really done, this Peyton Manning. And my son said to me, he's like, so was he great to watch Peyton Manning? And I forget that the 14-year-old hasn't seen our heroes. Right. And I told him, that's one guy, even though I wasn't a Colts fan, that's one guy, if he was playing, I'd probably watch the game. Yes. Because he was so good, and just how he did what he did. So, you know, I'll have to go track down that speech. That sounds like something we need to hear in the house. Yeah. I I think both of them. 
okay. would be. Okay. Colts also made some news with their current team. They signed all-pro linebacker Darius Leonard. Five years worth over $99 million. And that means he's the highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL. He has been very productive for the Colts. Big part of that defense. And obviously, when you ink a contract like that, you'd better you'd better deliver. And I'm sure Leonard will. Does he have any quarterback in his background? <laughs> no. Yeah, that that remains an issue for the Indianapolis Colts, and we'll see how those things uh, develop. But Jacob Eason is the guy right now that they seem to be saying will be the number one quarterback entering the opener against Seattle in September. How was your time at Progressive Field over the weekend? So we drove into Cleveland, and, you know, Progressive Field, and for those of you who are historians of the game, it used to be named Jacobs Field after the owner of the Cleveland Indians. Then he sold the naming rights to Flo and Jamie and the rest of the Progressive gang. And uh, it sits there in Cleveland, which is only four hours from South Bend, but I'd never been. I'd been to the old Cleveland Municipal Stadium before, the mistake on the lake that sat 80,000 folks. This is a much smaller ballpark. I've been to Jacobs Field. Yeah. Um, When it was Jake, it's probably even smaller than maybe when you went there (laughs) because they've uh, reduced the capacity from about 44,000 to 35,000. Wow. And the Browns were having a scrimmage yesterday that was open to the public. So it was only half capacity for the Indians and the Tigers yesterday. Great ballpark. Uh, We parked for five bucks in a garage four (laughs) blocks from the stadium. How about that? Um, Is that right downtown? It's right downtown. Okay. I think we drove past it when we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's somewhere down there. You probably did. Okay. Because it's right off the interstate. Okay. And... So easy access to the ballpark. Uh, I thought sitting in the bleachers was terrific. I mean, it was it was a hot day yesterday. It rained as we were getting to the ballpark, so the game was delayed by a half hour. So we walked around the concourse of the stadium. Plenty of different kind of concession stands sure. for fans. What I liked, Corey, is because you know, you know that I don't like to part with a dollar unless I have to. We found a concession stand that served what they called classic dogs and classic drinks. So rather than your jumbo dog for seven fifty or your jumbo beer for ten fifty, you could get a classic dog for four dollars and fifty cents and a classic beer, which was basically a can of light beer, uh, for four bucks. And so Uncle Chuck graciously <laughs> bought the family the first round of dogs and beer and said, you're on your own after that. <laughs> and uh, Tigers won? No, the Indians won 7-5. Tigers had a 5-2 lead in this game and saw it slip away. And a kid named Brad Zimmer hit the tie-breaking homer in the seventh. So When do they become guardians? Next year. Next season. So, okay. Um, there is still some Indians garb I was gonna that say, they, they sell a, within they the stadium. <laughs> well, here's part of the problem with naming themselves the Cleveland Guardians. There's another team in town with the name the Cleveland Guardians. It is their male roller derby team. 
<laughs> and the male roller derby team is not going down without a fight. Oh. They are throwing some elbows and doing some hip checks over the rails and things like that. that's what they do. Uh, but they're, they want to make the baseball team pay some money to sure. get that name that they came up with on their own. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how that all gets sorted out. But I, I would highly recommend Progressive Field as a place to go. I think it's very comparable to Great American Ballpark down in Cincinnati. Okay. In terms of uh, location, in terms of ease of access and things like that. I personally liked Cleveland's Ballpark a little more than Great American Ballpark. I think mainly because I think it incorporates the history of the franchise a little bit better than what the Reds did. How'd you get your tickets? You go through a StubHub or a... Uh, MLB.com. Oh, okay. You know, just uh, just purchase them from the ball club. Mm-hmm. I think it, they were... Uh, by the time you got all the fees involved like that, it was 22 bucks a ticket to sit in the bleachers for a major league game. Okay. Now, I say a major league game. The lineups for the Indians and the Tigers, once you got past about the four hole in the lineup, uh, tailed off into a who? <laughs> now, I can't say too much about that because this takes us to the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. The legends of the game like Greg Dykeman... <laughs> Frank Schwindel, Janeshwi Fargus. I watched a little bit of this game. That's all you needed to watch was very little bit. What in the world? Last night, the Cubs get shelled 9-3. The White Sox and Cubs could not be going in more opposite directions, and it could not have been more apparent over the weekend. The White Sox sweep the Cubs. They lead the American League Central by 10 games over the Cleveland Indians. Meanwhile, the Cubs are mired in fourth place in the National League Central and thankful for the existence of the Pittsburgh Pirates so that they are not in fifth. But it, I think it was good preparation for the White Sox. Thursday, they will go and play in the Field of Dreams game in Iowa. Hmm. And they played against the Iowa Cubs uh, for three games at Wrigley Field this weekend. No. <laughs> they were just... <laughs> I get what you did there. So, I will say this, and this was brought up, I, I listened to the game on the w- drive back from Cleveland last night, and this was brought up on one of the radio broadcasts. The one concern I would have as a White Sox fan is, the White Sox play the worst, in the one of the worst, if not the worst division in baseball in the American League Central. There's not a single team in that division above 500 other than the White Sox. The teams that they get to play this year from the National League are all from the National League Central, which may be the challenger for the worst division in baseball with the American League Central. So of the number of games that the White Sox have played this year, and they are now up to, well... They have played 112 games this season. They've only played 30 against teams with a record of 500 or mm. above. So hmm. you sit there and you wonder, how good are they? And I guess we'll find out come playoff time. As I've said on this show, I like the starting pitching staff, the composition of it. I like the composition of the bullpen now and what they have back there. 
but you just wonder how they will do when they really have to play top flight competition for a couple of weeks in October. Okay. And the NBA, NBA? silly NBA? season continues uh, with players moving around. I saw a little bit of summer league play yesterday. Yeah. Okay, that's that's necessary. <laughs> I question your viewing habits if you're watching NBA Summer League basketball, but I understand you've got you a 14-year-old in the house. Uh, the Pacers yesterday trade the very popular Doug McDermott to San Antonio for a second-round draft pick. That's known as a salary dump, kids. That's, just, <laughs> that's trying to get rid of – you're cutting the budget a little bit. But the Bulls – might be under investigation for the Lonzo Ball deal from the NBA. The NBA worried about tampering uh, beforehand. And so I'm not... Don't ask me for the what they did necessarily. Okay. I just read reports over the weekend. But apparently some people are looking into this deal. And if that were to get voided, the Bulls are left holding the bag in a big way. Uh, which would be vintage bulls. <laughs> I shouldn't say vintage. Vintage bulls is the 1990s bulls that you and I grew up you know, loving. The ones that win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, vintage 21st century bulls. Let's put it that way. Do you have anything for overrated, underrated? Um, I had a name. I'm floating around. I mean, we could. Well, let me let me throw. If you've got something, it'll let me be throw something at you here. Uh, the actress Marky Post passed away over the weekend. That's the name I have. 70 years old. Now, I wasn't going to go with her as overrated, underrated, but I'm going to go with the show, Night Court, which was a staple on Thursday nights on NBC, but kind of lost luster compared to Cosby or Cheers. Night Court, Marky Post, John Larroquette, um, Harry Shearer? No. No, not Harry, Harry Shearer. Harry... Harry somebody. He was the judge. Yeah. Uh, he passed away a while back, too. Uh, oh, did he? Richard... A bull? Yes. Anyway, cast of characters, ensemble comedy. Harry Anderson. Harry Anderson. Richard Mole. Yes. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. Huge, funny sitcom. I as soon as you said Night Court, I was like, man, I used to love watching that show. I did. Very yeah. funny. I, I would say underrated. Now, it was it was very nineties. It's not necessarily the most family oriented comedy. There's lots of leering, there's lots of innuendo. Oh yeah. But that was John Larroquette's character. Mm-hmm. I mean, John Larroquette's character was basically uh, this attorney. Uh, believe a prosecuting attorney slimeball who was just an utter slimeball mm-hmm. and but a lovable one mm-hmm. and he he kind of reminds me of the character of a Kramer who just comes in the scene takes over and then goes back out you know yeah I kind of wanted uh, when I saw him walk on the West Wing episode and they brought him on as a, a lawyer for the White House. I kind of wanted that character because <laughs> I liked it so much. Yeah. I haven't watched a Night Court episode in years. Is that 80s? Would that be 80s that for us? That would be, I, that's more 90s, I think. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I think it's late 80s, but primarily the 90s. Okay. And 
Um, Marky Post at that time was, I mean, she was a pinup girl, basically. She was a poster girl. She played an attorney on that show, and they would usually dress her down to have her taken seriously. But occasionally, and this was part of the the tension between John Larroquette and her character, occasionally he would see her out of, like, say, courtroom garb, and that's when the comedy would fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, 84 to 91. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Nine seasons. I don't remember a lot of them, but I just remember it being funny and consistent. Yeah. Wasn't the, uh, wasn't Harry Anderson like a magician? Yes. That was his thing. Yeah. He was, he was supposedly the guy that the thing was built around because he was the, the sanity in the midst of the insanity yeah. all around him. But... The the true star in my mind was Larroquette. Yeah, but it's definitely an ensemble show. Yes, you got to have them all to win. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I feel good about that. Okay. That's where I had that floating around in my head, and you went there. How about that? Now you're on what is this social platform called? Twitter. Twitter at Forty Six Sports. You will find lots of uh, high school, college, and professional sporting news there. He rolled out some interviews leading up to uh, high school football well on its way. Yeah. How many days? Uh, let's see. As we sit here now, it is um, 12 days. 12 days. All right. I'm on Twitter, too, at my name is Corey Sports Yak with two Ks. Until next time, Yak fans. Oogaluga, Mac McCarthy, whoever you are. Who? We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.